This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Trisha Stringer, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you, Cheryl. Lovely to be here. It's kind of welcome again, isn't it? It is, yeah. yes. How long ago did, were you here? About a year? A year ago, yeah. table for eight. So you do a book a year? Yes. Wow, that's hard work. It is hard work, yes, but yeah. I enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Trisha grew up on a farm in country South Australia and has spent most of her life in rural communities. She's worked as a teacher, a librarian, an IT coordinator, uh, an owner of a post office and a bookshop, and she has also been the mother of three talented children and is lucky enough to be a nana. She originally started writing for young readers as a way to bring local history alive for them, but now Trisha is the best-selling author of several adult fiction stories and has been call- called the voice of Australian storytelling. Trisha's awards include the Romance Writers of Australia Romantic Book of the Year Award in 2013 for Queen of the Road. Her book Riverboat Point was shortlisted for the same award in 2015 and Between the Vines in 2016. Stories have been part of Trisha's life for as long as she can remember and she believes there's always another tale to be told and written. There are endless stories, aren't there? There are endless stories. (laughs) Um, Tell me about writing a book a year and hopefully it becoming the book of the year. But, I mean, (laughs) tell me how that works in terms of scheduling your life and your approach to work. Um, Well, it it schedules my life for the year, really. It does. I take a break over Christmas and January, early January, but usually either side of that I'm editing next year's book. Right. So then early in the new year, February, I am beginning the following year's book. Yeah, wow. So that's a real discipline, isn't it? It's it's work. Yes. Yes. It's how I approach it. Yeah. But it also allows me flexibility. So because I'm writing from a, I can be flexible with it. I can, if we want to go away for a short break, I can take it with me. Mm. So I'm an early riser. So it doesn't, mm. I don't, Same. I'm not bothered to get up mm. early and spend a couple of hours writing. And then we've mm. got the day ahead of us to go exploring. Mm. So I can still fit writing into being a little bit flexible. Mm, I'm the same, actually. I love getting up um, really early and doing Mm. a couple of hours' work. Yes. Um, So tell me um, where it all started. So you grew up on a farm in South Australia. Are you still on a farm? No, no. No. That was a family farm and that's uh, been long ago sold. Mm. But um, I live in a rural community still. I live on York Peninsula now. So Mm. um, surrounded in a a house. Yes, in a house. Yes, but not a farm. (laughs) Not a farm, no. Yeah. Um, We don't have a farm. My husband's not a farmer. So we have uh, a place on the edge of town. So we're surrounded by a a farming community that's Farming and tourism is the, is the biggest, you know, sort of money spinner for our area. Yeah. Um, and when you're talking about, you know, writing and stories, where did that all come from for you? 
I think I've always been surrounded by writing and stories. My mother was an avid reader mm. and my earliest memories are of reading Peter Rabbit and you know, mm. um, Dr Seuss and things like that from a very early age. So I think I've always loved reading mm. and that's a great grounding for cre- and creativity. I was the youngest of three children and big gap between me and my siblings so I spent a lot of time playing on my own, mm. just you know, making up stories in my head. So I think I've always had that ability uh, but not writing so much um, until, as I said, those that you mentioned the children's books when I was mm. thinking I could, you know, write something for children that would help them with understanding our local history mm. a little better. That's and did that come going. from teaching? Yes, yes. Yeah. I was teaching some children what was our Cornish Festival and lots for adults around that but not anything to sort of help the children understand why are we doing this if they what hadn't grown the up in the community. We have a Canoeic Luenda, which is a Cornish festival every two years in our community. So it's the Copper Coast area of in South Australia. And uh, back in the early days of settlement, copper was discovered there and it saved South Australia from going bankrupt really in those early days of settlement. So it's not mined there anymore, but we still keep that history alive. Um, it's the biggest festival outside of Cornwall every mm. two years in our community. So people dress up, there's maypoling, furry dancing, or anything to do with with also the Welsh and uh, the the Cornish and the Welsh, you know, were strong in that area. There was smelting as well and that sort of thing. So, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Hmm. Um, and so then you wrote for children and how did that experience go? Really well. I, yeah. I It was a great learning curve. So I did a, a writer's course, yeah. you know, studied writing for children and that really was then the grounding for going on to other things. But mm. those first stories were published by a small publisher in Victoria and so that was very exciting, um, but unfortunately they went under. <laughs> yeah. So, but I kept them um, and they're still used in my local community for local history, which is great. So, you know, I get mm. called into schools and you know, chat to the kids about when they've read the book, what, what it all means, the local history side of it, and then that leads to writing as well. So we have a talk about writing. and mm. So that's special to me that at least those books can be still used in the mm. local community. Do you know, I think that it's really special. I know that a lot of authors do it. They do school visits and they go, you know, library yes. visits, but particularly school visits. And do you think, I mean, I think that's very inspirational to children, particularly oh, those ones, because I lovely. think it's very hard as a child to say you want to be a writer. Yes, yes, yes. I, it's I, not like by wanting to be a nurse or a policeman or a doctor. It's different to that. No, it's not it? a career path that people usually aspire to exactly. That's um, right. Sometimes teenagers yeah. do, but not so much young children. Uh, but yeah, I've come across a few. And one young boy changed his, he was madly rubbing something out and he'd written in the front, you know, he'd, he'd realised that the books always have a dedication in the front. Aww. And I don't know what had been there, but he, he changed it to Tricia Stringer, famous author, you know, this book is for you. Yeah, and it was just so lovely. Yeah, it's um, just changing a person's life, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he was yeah. really keen, so I hope he might go on to be a yeah. writer one day. So this book's called The Model Wife. Tell yes. me a bit about it. This book uh, centres around the central character, Natalie, who's approaching her 60th birthday. And she's a wife, a mother, a daughter, a daughter-in-law, a teacher, tireless community worker, the glue that holds everyone and everything together in her family. Does she sound familiar? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm as dedicated as Natalie. (laughs) But there's aspects of of a lot of people I know. Mm. Um, It's the generation that I live in, I suppose. 
And Natalie gets to it. She has a, a, a little hiccup and, a, you know, a health scare, which, you know, qu- we've probably all had those at some point and that stops you and makes you think, well, you know, gee, you know, life flashes before your eyes, what should I do now? And so for her, it really sort of made her stop and think, well, you know, I, I want to make some changes. How am I going to do that? And uh, so she eventually just um, walks away for, for a short time. So takes she's, a break. She takes a break. So she's got, a, you know, a husband. She lives on a property, so it's a busy time. Her mm. three adult daughters all turn up at home deciding that they need their mother for whatever reason and she's not there. She has a mother-in-law who's just a little bit meddling in some ways. Um, and so, yes, she, she walks away from all of that and um, leaves them to it. So, I, you know, I just put that premise, you know, what happens when the woman who holds everything together slips off her heels and walks away? Yeah. Mm. And what does happen? Ah, you have to read the book <laughs> to find out. <laughs> yes. Oh, do you know what I like about it? I like the fact that it's writing, um, you're writing about real people now. You know, as, yes. as we get older, you start to write um, about yourself, you yeah. know, and what yeah. you see in yourself. Um, I... I've, it's taken me a long time to pick that up. Like, say, for instance, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, you know, when he was writing in his early years, it was, to me, read young writing. And okay. as he got older, it was more reflective and more, uh, I think, a sign of the time, you know, of, yes. of, of his yeah. times and where he was at. Do you think that all authors do that? You kind of can't Gosh, help it, can you? I'm not sure if all authors do it, but I certainly, I feel comfortable. I'm glad... That I've written the other things that I've written, yeah, and I'm at this point now where I can look around me and think, because I've I think I've always written about what affects people, you know, a theme that influences or affects people in a particular story. But at this point, I've focused a little bit more on my generation, perhaps of yeah. people. What what? And I, I I like to read stories too that are. More my generation, so well because you see yourself in them, don't yes, you? That's, yes, and that's what yes. readers love about your books. And I think the uh, this particularly with Natalie's story, she is uh, like I think so many people find themselves. Women now have um, careers as well as still often I won't say always, but yeah. often they are still a carer in the family, so they might have. Uh, if you're a city person especially, you might have adult children still living at home. Um, you might have grandchildren even that you're maybe helping to take care of and you've got ageing parents, you're juggling everything um, and you know it's well documented now. There is this generation called the sandwich generation feeling like they're pressed in on all sides. And so to me that's what Natalie is feeling, that, that sort of pressure from all sides and this little voice inside saying, but what about me? Yeah. Would you have been able to write this book 20 years ago? No. 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 no it's not interesting. So. I, well, I guess you use some of your life experiences. I, I really, I've breezed through the sandwich generation quite easily. You know, everyone's yeah. done their own thing and we've all helped each other, I think. But. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, I've, not, I've not felt um, weighed down by it, but I, th- I really think some people are yeah. very much pressured by it. Yeah. Um, Not always women, but Yeah, often often women. Um, Would you have seen a book like, you know, The Model Wife now, would you have seen a book like that around the 50s and 60s where women were treated completely different? No. No. I don't think, well, I don't think so. And part of the fun of The Model Wife for me was that I knew that there was something else bothering Natalie, something that had influenced her life and that thing manifested itself as a little book of advice. Yes. And it was a book that was given to her by her mother-in-law when she was first married. And it's actually a book set in the early 1900s. So the advice in it is quite old, the way women were viewed yes. back then. Yes. So, um, but somehow it's, it's still infiltrated her life a little bit, had some influence on her. So I had to then go and explore that because I didn't have the book. I just made it up. Yeah. I called it The Model Wife. I went looking for examples of what might have been in it. And since I've been talking to readers now about this book, it's it's amazing the number of people that have brought um, you know, similar books out. Oh, and said, I've We've seen got them, them in yeah. our family. You know, no, they've been right. passed down, or yeah. you know, this was given to me as a young bride, and yeah, yeah so it's quite fascinating. And often too, I used to, th- I'd see um, books that are a combination of cooking and yes. behaviour. Yeah. I, I, that's what I say to people: they're cunningly hidden yeah. as a cookbook. Yes, they start out as a cookbook and yes. then they go on to other yes. things because cookbooks were definitely targeted to women, weren't yes. they? Yes, yeah. Um, talk to me how about your fiction and how. How it's changed over the years. Like, what was your first published adult fiction book? My first published adult fiction book was Queen of the Road, which was rural romance, um, and I've written seven of those. I still love them. Um, in between those, I, I wrote the historical fiction saga, three books uh, back at the, uh, you know, in amongst those. So still very country stories. The general fiction just seemed to come, it was a story, Table for Eight was a story I just wanted to tell. I'd been on a cruise and I wanted to yeah. tell the story. Um, but it, it wasn't rural romance, it wasn't historical fiction. No. So it, it morphed more into what is called general fiction, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, contemporary fiction. Contemporary fiction. And so after that, this story of the model wife came to me and I thought, you know, it's, a, it's in a similar vein. It's, it's, not, it's not rural. It has a, a partly rural setting. Yes. But it could easily be in the city. It, could, it just could be anywhere really. It that just, it's happens, not, to it just happens to be where they live. Um, because I, was, I really think that the things that affect us, um, our, our highs and lows, the things that we love, the, the, the medical issues we have, it doesn't matter where you live, you can st- you still have all those things. Absolutely. Um, it's how perhaps 
you might be affected by distance um, if you live in, in the country. But um, And yeah. also perception, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. it might be different. We have mm. different perceptions. But the things that we've, we, as I said, love, yeah. want to do, friendships, family, are the same wherever you live, really. Mm. So, I, And I is there a genre, genre you like over another? Well, I'm very much into the general fiction at the oh, moment. Yeah. So yeah. I think I'm, my next book is definitely there. Oh. So I think that's the direction I'm going mm. because I just can't write any more than I'm writing. No, One book a year is no, I think that is enough. Um, talk to me about inspiration. So is it that you have a whole lot of story ideas that you keep writing down and you think I'll get to writing that? Or is it that you're thinking, okay, I've got a book next year, I've got to come up with something? I have story ideas all the time. I have a yes. book that I jot them in. It, they can life come from anywhere. Yes, yeah. they can come from anywhere. And often, uh, like I say about the model wife, it came really from probably three different things. Well, lots of things came together to bring it together. A trip to Western Australia, to the Dampier Peninsula above Broome. Mm-hmm. That stuck with me, that community. There was something about that community that just sat in the back of my head. I thought, there's a story here, but I don't really know what it is. So it was there. Then I read an article about women and midlife crisis. And I thought, you know, you often read them with men as as the, the central you know, mm. issue in the... In the you so do. That's so yes, true. Yes, but it? you don't so often see it with women. So I, you know, did it. That intrigued me then. Mm. Um, and then... Yes, the, the the advice from, you know, are women's roles different now to what they were 100 years ago? All those things. Um, and then, yes, the sandwich generation idea. So they, they were kind of all melding. Yeah. Melting, melding, modelling around. And how do you do that? Um, so you've got that, that's an outline, I guess. Yes. Well, yes and no. There's just a whole lot of vague ideas. The character of Natalie comes to me then, you know, I can see this woman who all of these things are influencing in some way. Um, the setting is important. And do you write chronologically? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, occasionally I realise that, you know, perhaps there might have been something missing that needs explanation, so I might have to go back and rejig, but pretty much it's chronological. Yeah. Right. Mm. Oh, wow. And do you find... I was saying, oh, wow, as if I've never spoken to an author. <laughs> I've, I've been doing this for a few years now. Do you yes, know, you I have. never tire of the story. I just oh, love no. it. I love stories. Yeah, well, yeah. obviously I love and, stories, but I, I like other people's too. That's right. And, I got, you know, like for me now, that's just it's just so incredibly interesting that the way that you approach writing, because everybody is different as they well. Um, do you ever kind of start a book and think, uh, actually, this isn't, it's not going where I wanted it to go. I'm not able to tell it in the way that I wanted to tell it. Do you do that and pull out real early? Or I haven't ever pulled out. Uh, perhaps in the very early days I might have. Yeah. I've got a few half-started stories in my drawer, I think yeah. most writers have. But now I have the idea pretty much formed in my head and I've written a synopsis of it. Not necessarily that the synopsis is the same as the story by the time the story is finished, but that helps me to get an idea of where the story is going. Right. Once it gets going, the characters really take over. So I I find that it might, whereas I as the author think this is where the story is going, it doesn't always go quite the way I planned. Um, 
because the characters take it in another direction. It's kind of like meeting people and having a conversation and then suddenly, you know, you're talking or doing something that you didn't imagine that you were going to be and that's how I find the characters <laughs> Do you know that going. could also be madness? <laughs> yes. Well, I do say I have these voices in my head the whole yeah. time the story is going. There are voices in my head and afterwards it's hard to let them go. Mm. Yes. Do you miss them when you leave them? I do miss them up until, you know, the very final parts of editing and you have read that manuscript so many times. By the time you get to the last mm. proofread, I just think I don't want to know anything more about this right, story anymore. had enough. I've had enough. Mm. And really, by the time I'm doing that, I'm actually starting to think about what my next story will be too. Right. So, so you leave them behind. I'm, I'm leaving them behind. Mm. Mm. Um, and how do you find, so you're doing a publicity tour now. Yes. Um I often, I mean, I've met so many authors over the years that really find that part of the job very, very difficult. They're insular, you know. I mean, they're introverted people or, mm. you know, they like to sit in a room and write by themselves usually because yes. yes. it is a solo it occupation, is. isn't it? Is. it? For a fair so bit how of the time. It is for a long mm. time, like what, 10 months of the year maybe? Yes, pretty much. Yeah, mm. and so then you've got to switch your head over, don't you? Always. You do. What you... happens to all those little imaginary people in your head <laughs> while you're out and about? <laughs> you have to go back and visit them again because I've just finished next year's book. So those right. imaginary people were in my head um, so I had to go back and visit the model wife again before coming on tour with it because, you know, it's been put to bed a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, but that's fun because you read it with fresh Do you eyes. Like it? and Yeah. Yes, yeah. And start again and think about uh, it takes me back to where the inspiration came from and all those, that research and, and mm. the fun things that happened along the way. Mm. Um, so, yes, it's very, it's, you know, good to go back and visit. And I like to talk to people about the book and hear what readers think about it too. Do you know, I think I really love that. I'd imagine as an author that that would be really, um, I don't know if it's helpful, but it certainly must keep you going. Yes, the feedback certainly does. Yeah. You know, I always say to people, anyone that knows an author, don't underestimate the power of your encouragement. Is that right? Because... Every now and again, you know, you can, like you said, you're sitting there all by yourself and just a little email will pop up or something and say, look, I've just read, and, and sometimes it's years ago book. Yes. But someone's just read it and they said, oh, you know, I really enjoyed it and this is why and you just think, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. You know, how, how lovely that. And I just needed that little bit of encouragement to think, yes, I can write some more today. Yeah, so. and you can do it. How many mm. books have you got under your belt now? This is book number 12. Mm. So, mm. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Tricia Stringer, thank you so much for coming in to chat with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere. Or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBookstore. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.